Good morning, everyone. Did you guys all sleep well last night? Yeah. Did you guys sleep last night? <laughs> yes. Uh, I see a couple of people yawning. <coughs> well, did you guys get a chance to see Mount Rainier last yesterday? You didn't from the field? Oh, I thought, I thought you had a view. Well, if you get a chance, take a good look at it because we're pretty close to it, and it, and it looks pretty awesome. And when you do, I don't know if you can see Mount St. Helens from here, but uh, but when you do see Mount Rainier, remember who your creator is, all right, because it's a pretty awesome sight. It's a pretty awesome sight. So, so yesterday we talked a little bit about who God is, all right, and how God is not only the creator of this universe, the creator of you and I, the creator of all things, creator of things that we, we can't even see with our eyes, but yet he also is a God of love, and, and he sent his only son into this world to die for us. And that, that's what our God is. That's who our God is. And, and he loves to dwell among his people, right? Do you know why Jesus came into this world? I mean, it's, you guys all know the answer. Of course, it is to die on the cross for us, right? But do you, there's another reason why he came into this world. Do you know why that is? What do you guys think? It's because he wanted to be with us. That's why. All right? God is up in the heavens, and he's perfect. If he came down into this world, we can't look at him. Where our eyes would be blind, we would die because he's so pure and so perfect, and we're <coughs> full of sin. We're dirty, right? So if God came and we looked at us, we would die. But he allowed his son to be born into this world, a hundred percent God, and yet a hundred percent man. And why did he do that? Because he wanted to be with us. He doesn't want to just sit up there and say, "Yeah, I've done these things for you. Yeah, I've taken your sins away." He got down, got messy, got dirty with us, came into this world. And, and that's, our, that's, our, that's who your God is. That's who my God is. Someone who is so personal, someone who wants to walk with you, someone who wants to live with you, someone who wants to care about your every little detail in your life. That's who your God is. And it's pretty awesome that we have a God like that, right? So when we think about who God is, we think about, yeah, he's the, the big guy upstairs. But he's also a very, very personal God. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be there for you when you're sad. He wants to be there when you're happy. He wants to be there when you don't have the energy to move on and, and go forward. Right? That's who our God is. Well, today... <coughs> Today we're going to talk about, now we sort of talked about who God is, just a little bit. I mean, we just grazed it a little bit. But today we're going to talk about who we are. Who am I? Who are you? So why don't we, uh, before we start, why don't we just say another word of prayer? Let's uh, all bow our heads and we'll say another word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for loving each one of us. And I thank you for this gathering here this morning. And Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon us. And Lord, those of us who 
that don't know what the Holy Spirit is, and those of us who have never touched the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this room. pray that every brother and sister here during this retreat would touch you and would sense your Holy Spirit. Lord, I really pray for my young brothers and sisters here. pray that you would make yourself real to them. pray that you would show them that you are a personal God. And Lord, from our end, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself that we would be willing to open up our hearts, Lord, to accept you, to acknowledge you, to, to allow you to live in our hearts. And Lord, we just want to offer this following time into your hands. And Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken uh, from you would be remembered. The words that are spoken from my mouth, Lord, if it's not useful, I pray that those words be forgotten. Lord, I just uh, lift this following time into your hands, and we pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we've got this big, grand question of who am I, or who are you? So just take a quick second to think, who am I? Has anyone ever asked you that question before? Like your friends, you meet your friend, they're like, who are you? Normally, in, in normal conversations, you, people don't really ask that question, right? So then you never, you never really think about who you are. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm me. What do you mean, who am I? I'm me, right? That's who I am. Look at me. That's, 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 this is me. But you never really think about who you are, right? So many times um, we try to define ourselves, who we are. We'll try to think, okay, now that I've asked you, who are you? If I went up to each one of you and said your name and I said, Jane, who are you? Or if I said, Linda, who are you? You'd have, you'd be kind of like, uh, let me think about it. And then you're trying to think, okay, well, well what, what defines me? If you, if you were to ask me, I would probably pause too. And I'd be like, hmm, let me think for a moment. Who, who am I? What am I? Right? Because <clears throat> it's kind of a question that you don't really think about. You, can, you just kind of live your life on me, but you don't really think about who you are. All right? So a lot of times we define ourselves um, maybe by our families. Maybe you think, well, okay, I can define myself. I'm a son or I'm a daughter. I have parents. I have a family. Maybe I'm an older brother. If I asked you who are you and you're like, oh, well, I have a little brother, so I'm an older brother. Um, Sometimes you define yourself as where you are in school. You could say, if I asked you, who are you? You could say, well, I'm a seventh grader at Kellogg Middle School, or I'm a, I'm a eighth grader at Sunset Middle School, or Einstein Middle School, or whatever. Whatever middle school you go to, <coughs> right? And then, and then sometimes we like to define ourselves by, by what our interests are, right? If you're really into sports, if I asked you, who are you? I'm a basketball player, or I'm a baseball player, I'm a figure skater, I'm a ballerina, I'm a, I'm a, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you, your interests are, whatever your hobbies are, right, whatever you, you like doing, I'm a pianist, I'm a musician, right, that's what you identify of who you are, someone asked you that, you're like, yeah, I play the piano, so I'm a pianist, I'm a, daughter, a uh, seventh grader at middle in Kellogg Middle School, and I'm a pianist, right? You start thinking about all these things. But who are we really? You ever thought about that? Um, sometimes we, as you get older, 
it's easier to use your your occupation as a definition of who you are, right? Like Scott is an engineer. Our brother Scott here is an engineer, for those of you who don't know. If someone were to ask Scott, hey, Scott, what are, who are you or what are you? He's going to say, well, he, one of his answers could be, well, I'm an engineer at this company, right? So a lot of times you'll hear, you'll hear that or if you're a doctor, I'm a doctor at this hospital or I'm a lawyer, right? So you define yourself by what you do. And so, <laughs> but is that really who Scott is? Is he just an engineer or is, is someone really just a lawyer or are you just a seventh grader or eighth grader? You know, who, who are we? <laughs> so throughout our life and in every stage of our life, we define ourselves differently, right? For example, right now, right now, let's say Eunice is an eighth grader now. She's going to go to ninth grade. Today, if I asked her, who are you? She might say, I'm an eighth grader at this school or whatever. And, but if, she, if I asked her the same question a year from now or two years from now, is she going to still say, I'm an eighth grader at this school? Probably not, right? She's going to say, I'm now a ninth grader or a tenth grader at this school, or now I've given up basketball and now I'm a baseball player or whatever, or now I've given up piano and playing the violin now, so now I'm a violinist. So when, you, when someone asks you, who are you, we kind of think about just right now, who am I, what am I doing, where am I in life, and you say, that's who I am. But is that really who you are? It's not really, Right? Because right now I could say, yeah, I'm up here standing here, but, it, you know, two hours later I'm not going to be here. I can't say, yeah, I'm still standing here. Just like you, two years from now you're not going to say I'm still a seventh grader, right? So when you, when you think of who you are, that's, that's sort of the concept that we have. We immediately think, what am I doing now? Where am I? Who, which family do I belong to? Um, where am I in life, right? So, for example, not to beat a dead horse, but let's say Scott again, all right? <coughs> so Scott is now a dad. He has three really adorable kids. So now if you ask Scott, let's say when Scott was in, his, in college, you ask him, who am I? Well, I'm a student. I'm this. I'm that. But now if you ask him, well, he's a father. That's another answer that you could say, right? So in every stage of your life, it seems like you're redefining yourself right you know you start going from souping up your honda civic to driving a sedan to driving a nicer sports car and then when you have kids you go to a minivan every single step of your life everything that you do you're you kind of define yourself not not sometimes not on purpose but that's who it is right that's who you are sometimes you look at someone driving a minivan you're like that guy must be a dad right what single guy would, would uh, drive a minivan? Who would do that, right? So you automatically think these things and you define, define them like, okay, he's wearing that, so he must be that. If he's wearing basketball shorts, he must be a basketball player. If he's driving that car, he must be a dad or he must be still single. Or <coughs> so that's, those are kind of examples of how we define ourselves, right? Sometimes not by our choice, but... Sometimes when we look at people, that's what we see, right? Because that's what we're kind of programmed. That's what kind of society and, and our needs um, kind of morph us into that category of who we are, right? 
Is that really who we are? So I have a little activity. Yesterday we kind of drew a picture of who God is, right? Or what, what we could imagine who God is. Today I have another little activity. I'm going to pass out a piece of paper for all of you guys. So what I want you to do is I'm going to pass out a piece, piece of paper like this. And you're going to fold it into three equal, kind of equal sections. Okay. It is kind of challenging. I'm really bad at folding paper. But... <laughs> So just, just kind of, it doesn't have to be exact, but as long as there's kind of enough area, it will be. Did everyone, did anyone not get a piece of paper? Everyone got a piece of paper, right? So we're folding it into three sections. Approximately, it doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be nicely creased or anything, but as long as you can kind of separate these three, okay? <coughs> so what I want you to do is on the far, on your far left side, all right? I want you to draw a picture of who you are. If I said, who are you? Whatever that thought is, I want you to draw right there. I don't want you to look at anyone else's picture, so you do whatever you can to hide it. I want you to be completely honest with yourself, okay? Don't draw it only because you think someone else is going to look at you what you're drawing. So hide your picture. I don't want anyone else to look at your picture, okay? So draw it in secret, but I want you to be honest who you are. Okay, no one's going to look at it. I'm not going to have you guys show everyone or anything. Yeah. Use a mirror. <laughs> no, you can't use a mirror. You just have to use your... It, like if I asked you, who are you? So if you can't, you can, you can even try to draw it, but then also if you can't, you can use words as well. Okay, try to... I'm not, I don't really want you to draw, try to draw yourself, but like... Make it look like you, but who are you? You know, describe describe in a picture who you are. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no. Just fill this whole thing, that one segment. It doesn't have to be just one picture, okay? But just draw. Uh, a, it can be a mural on that side. <coughs> But, but be honest with yourself and don't show anyone else, okay? And don't look at anyone else's paper. Because I want you to be totally honest with yourself. Who am I?
Okay, are you guys done with that one? Kind of. You guys can continue to finish it, but we're going to go on to the second, the second column that you have. <coughs> and the second column, so listen carefully. I want you to draw a picture of when your friends look at you, what do they see? All right, so when your friends look at you, what do you think they see? And I want you to draw that in that second column right there. Could be. Are you guys close? Need a little bit more time? <coughs> okay, now... And you guys can touch it up in a little bit. But um, in the third column, the last column, and listen carefully again, I want you to draw a picture of what you think you look like when God looks at you. So when God looks at you, what does he see? I want you to draw that out.
And I want you to be completely honest with yourself in each one of these drawings. Okay, we're not going to show it to anyone. I'm not going to make you stand up and present it. So be as honest as you can to yourself. Who do you think, uh, what do you look like when, when God looks at you? Okay, I'll give you guys one more minute. Okay, so whether you're done with it or not, we're going we're gonna to continue on. So I want you guys to, to now fold that piece of paper away and, and put it away. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So first question I'm going to ask you is, does anyone have, when you were drawing these three pictures, did anyone have... All three pictures look alike. Did anyone have two out of the three pictures look alike? All right. Got a couple of them. And I'm assuming that everyone else had three different pictures, right? So why is it that we have three different pictures. We're all one person, right? Or maybe we have two pictures that are the same and one that's different, <coughs> right? We're only one person, but then when we think about who we are and 
we think about who other people perceive us to be, and then we think about how God looks at us, why is it that sometimes there's three different images that we have? Why is it that sometimes we have, we think that, oh, I'm a different person maybe to my friends, or when God looks at me, maybe I'm another person. But you're just yourself, right? You're just one person. We're all one person. We all have one face and one body. It's not like I can transform myself or clone myself and be another person, right? So why is that? A lot of times we, when we think about ourselves, we think about ourselves in different contexts, right? So we think about, okay, well, right now, who am I? And then you think, well, when I'm with my friends, who am I? You might be someone else. And then you think, oh, when I'm at church, who am I? Sometimes, for most Christians, when we come to church, we put on our spiritual face, put on our Sunday school face. The Sunday school teachers expect you to sit a certain way, and then so you kind of cater to that. You kind of, okay, that's what my mom wants me to dress up, so I dress up. And then when you're at school, you're like, oh, I'm with my friends, and you're just, you know, doing your thing. You're wearing the clothes you want to wear. You can sit in the position you want to sit in. You can walk the way you want to walk. You can wear the shoes you want to wear. (coughs) You can say the things you want to say. And then when you're by yourself, you think about yourself, and it's different again, right? But we're all we're all one person. So how can we how can we have all these different different images of who we are? All right. So I want you to really think about. <clears throat> who are you? Okay, so that's what the little exercise was. It wasn't just to draw, but it was to make you think, you know, who really are you? Who are we? And that's something that we, we really have to think about as we continue to continue to go on with life, right? We're always trying to, society teaches us to, we have to continue to redefining our, redefine yourself, make yourself better, make yourself, you know, improve yourself, right? So you make you, you try to define yourself and try to make yourself better. You educate, you educate, you get a good, good job, you get a family. And, and that's how we kind of go along with life. Well, what does the Bible tell us? What, is, what, what does the Bible say that we are? Let's look at, uh, <coughs> excuse me, let's look at John chapter 1, verse 12. So if you guys have a Bible, please turn to it. And if you don't have a Bible, maybe the person next to you can, you guys can share about your Bible. So John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. (coughs) And I'm reading it in the New American Standard Version. It says, but as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God. Can someone read it in the NIV version for me? Who has NIV? Julie, can you read it really loud for us just so I can so we can all hear it? Yeah, John one twelve. Okay, so that's a pretty close translation. So we are children of God. That's what the Bible tells us. 
Do you know what that means? That no matter what, that's your identity. That's your, you're a child of God. So when God looks at you, you are a child of God. Whether today you're in seventh grade, you're a child of God. Two years from now, when you're in ninth grade, you're a child of God. When you're 40 years old and you've got your job, you've got your kids, you've got your car and your house, you're still a child of God. And when you're 60 and you're ready to retire, (coughs) you've got your grandkids, you're still a child of God. That's one identity that you have that will never change. And that's that's who we are. That's who you are. And it says here, for those who have received the Lord, if you believe in the Lord, you automatically become a child of God. So you no longer have to put on another face. You no longer have to re-identify yourself. You no longer have to try to change yourself to, to be something else or someone else. Because you are a child of God. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's who we are. Right? A lot of times we, we do things. Now, just think for a moment. <clears throat> like, Why did you choose to put the clothes you put on today? Or maybe when you're going to school, why do you choose? Why does it, for some people in the morning, it takes them forever to choose which outfit to put on? Or when you go to the mall and you want to buy clothes, why do you choose those clothes? Or when you go to this footlocker, why do you choose those basketball shoes or those running shoes? Or it's because we want to try to make our identity into something else, right? We want to try to fit into, maybe everyone on your whole basketball team is wearing those Nike Air Flights, right? And so you go to your the, the Foot Locker and you're like, I got to get those Nike Air Flights because I want to. I'm on that team, right? So I I need to identify myself as being part of that team. So I'm gonna go, Mom, can I get a pair of Air Flights because everyone else on my team has one, right? So then you get a pair and then you're like, okay. Then you you put them on. And you're like, yeah, I'm part of that team. That's who I am. I'm part of that basketball team, right? <laughs> or maybe you, uh, maybe some of the, your friends at school wear this new jacket or a new brand of clothes, and you're like, ooh, that's kind of cool. And then some of your other friends start wearing it too, and then you're like, ooh, it's kind of cool. And you're like, well, I'm their friend, so, mom, I want to get that, uh, <laughs> I want to get that shirt, or, you know. And then so, so you go get that shirt, and you're like, okay, now I'm, yeah, I'm part of the cool kids now. These are my friends, so I am with my friends, and that's who I am, right? And so you try to identify yourself. You try to do things to yourself to, to be identified with a certain group, right, so you can fit in. Well, the Lord tells us that we are his child, and there are two really important things that we have to know that comes with that. Two important things, and I want you guys to listen really, really carefully, because these are two things that once you have it, you don't need anything else. Okay? So what does it mean to be a child of God? Okay, the first one we read here in John chapter 1, verse 12, it tells us that when we receive the Lord, we are automatically a child of God. You're a beloved of the Lord. <coughs> then the second one I want you to look at is in Matthew chapter 18, verse 14. There's a scenario where Jesus is 
is performing miracles on people, and, and people are bringing all these kids to him, and then, and then the disciples are like, whoa, everyone's like, whoa, let's get these kids out of here. And Jesus says, no, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's, do you know what that means? The kingdom of heaven belongs to you and me because we are a child of God. The kingdom of heaven belongs to us because you are a child of God. Okay, remember these two, this point. It's really important. Okay, <clears throat> but there are two points that what it means to be a child of God. Point number one, okay, means that God will always accept you for who you are. Sometimes, sometimes our parents don't even accept us for who we are, right? You try your best and your parents just shake your head, not good enough, right? Sometimes you're, um, sometimes you, you try so hard to fit in and, and you just don't. But the Lord tells us you will always be accepted. Okay, that's the first point that we have to remember. No matter how badly you fail, no matter how badly you sin, no matter how dirty you get, you're always accepted by God. Okay? And you're not only accepted by God, but he'll go even a little bit further to tell you how, just how much he cares about you. Just like that song that we just sang in the beginning, you know, the one that says, the title, Your Beloved. Let me just read the lyrics again for you. <coughs> this is taught in the beginning. It starts off. Lord, it was you who created the heavens. Lord, it was your hands who put the stars in the sky. Lord, it is your voice that commands the morning. You know what that means? The Lord tells the sun to come up and it comes up. That's how awesome God is. Okay? Even oceans and their waves will bow at your feet. Lord, who am I compared to your glory? I mean, just think. Remember yesterday what we talked about? We were made from dust. Who, who are we compared to this awesome God who commands the morning, who tells the sun to rise and it rises, right? And then, Lord, who am I compared to your majesty, how glorious God is? <clears throat> and then we come to the chorus where it says, I am your beloved, your creation, and you love me as I am. You have called me chosen for your kingdom, right? Just like the, the verse in Matthew says, kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, those such as these which are God's children. That's you and I. Unashamed to call me your own. I am your beloved. Do you know what that means? Not only does God accept us for who we are, no matter how ugly we think we are, no matter how dirty or how dumb or how many exams we failed or how many grades we dropped out of, or how many colleges we didn't get accepted to, or how many job offerings we got rejected, <coughs> or how many sins we just keep committing. God accepts us for who we are. But not only that, he's not ashamed of us, right? Look at, look at that. If you remember the, one of the last lines of that song, the song, it says, unashamed to call me his own. So when God looks down on us from heaven, he's looking at us right now. And he's pointing at each one of these. He's telling all the perfect angels in heaven. He's saying, that child right there, 
that's mine. That child right there that failed his exam, his math exam, that's my child right there. That child right there who, who, uh, who uh, forgot to read his Bible in the morning, that's my child right there. These are, he's saying this, declaring this to the heavens and everyone in this world, that you and I are his child. No matter what stupid thing we've done, no matter what stupid thing we're about to do, <coughs> no matter what stupid thing we do in the future, God is not ashamed of us because he loves us, because we are accepted by him. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Remember, we're, we're things made from dust, and yet God is not ashamed of us. A lot of times, when you flip that around, a lot of times we're ashamed of God, right? We're afraid to let people know that we're Christians, right? We walk around. <coughs> Sometimes it's hard for us to pray before a meal, right? Because your friends are all looking at you weird. Like, why is he, why is he or she closing her eyes all of a sudden before they eat? And then you're like, I don't want to do it. I'm just going to skip that part and go right to the meal. Or maybe, maybe I'll just pray with my eyes open pretend I'm in the conversation so that no one will think that I'm Christian. Or maybe you don't want to admit that you go to church. Or maybe you don't want to admit that, hey, you know, hey, how come you don't, you know, joke around with us like when you know you shouldn't? Your friends are going to look at you weird, right? And then we're like, oh, well, I don't want to be an outcast. So then you try to do everything to fit in, to be, uh, to be identified with them, right? We're embarrassed. But here, the creator of the heavens is not ashamed of us when we turn our heads to the Lord. When we say, Lord, I don't need you today. When we, um, when we fall, when we sin, God looks at us and says, that's my child and I love, and I love you. That's who our God is and that's who we are. We are his beloved. We are his object of love. Can you imagine that? That's who we are. Point number two is, well, I kind of went into point number two, is that God will always love us. The first one is God will always accept us. Second one, and he's not ashamed of us. Point number two is God will always love us. And <coughs> we have the love of his salvation in us. Okay, As a child of God, you know, we have everything. God has given us the kingdom of heaven. God is, we're in God's house right now. We have everything. That's how much he loves us. Now think, think for a moment. Think of your own father, okay, your own dad or your own parent, your parents' house, okay. When you go into their house, what do you do? You're at home, right? You don't ask your, well, you probably, we, pro, we probably all should, but we don't. We, we, when you're hungry, what do you do? You go right to the fridge, you open the door, you grab whatever you want, you're thirsty, you pour it, you drink it. Right? You don't even ask because it's my dad. It's my dad's house. It's my mom's house. And I know that I can do whatever I want because they love me, right? They provide all the stuff here for me because they love me. And you just go right in, you open it up, you grab whatever snacks you want, goodies you want. <coughs> right? That's like... When we're in God's house, he's given us everything already. Sometimes, and sometimes we just don't realize that. We don't realize how awesome God's love is. When God loves us, he gives us everything. He already gave us his only begotten son. 
the most precious thing he has, he's already given it to us. So and anything else that he has, why wouldn't he give it to us? He's already given us everything in his son. And so when we think of who we are, we are the object of God's love. God loves us so much that he'll give, he's not going to hold anything back from us. You know, um, the next time someone asks you, who are you? How are you going to answer that? I'm a child of God. Next time you walk around, you know, we should all be walking around with a stupid grin on our face just because we're children of God, because God loves us so much. Every morning that you wake up, you should be so thankful because it's another day. It's another day. I'm a child of God. God loves me so much. I don't need anything. Everything I have, he's already given to me. So we should all be walking around with a stupid grin on our face to the point where our friends are like, why are you smiling? And then you can say, it's because God loves me. Why wouldn't I smile? God's not, not ashamed of who I am. No matter how horrible of a person I am, God loves me. And he accepts me just, just as I am. <clears throat> that's, who, that's what our identity is. We are a beloved child of God. And so as we continue to go through life, as our, as our identity, as we try to morph our identity, or as, or as we age, our, identities, our identity on the outside sort of changes, right, because of its needs, because as you get older, you have different needs. As you, have older, you, as you get older, you have responsibilities, so you, everything changes. But the one thing, your one identity that does not change is that you are a child of God. From the day you are believed in the Lord into eternity, you're a child of God. And that's something that we have to remember. So tomorrow we're going to talk about what it means to be a child of God. And we talked about two things today, what it means. But tomorrow we're going to talk about how do, what, what does that really mean for us? What do we do with that? Now that we know that we're a child of God, what do we do with that? You know, God has given us the kingdom of heaven. He loves us. He accepts us. What do we do? <clears throat> but today, today's topic, I really want you guys to think about who you are. Think of God's love and what he's done for you. So, um, so in the future, if anyone ever asks you, who are you? Take a moment and think, who, who are you? And, and think of your answer and what you're about to say and then think, well, I'm a child of God. And that's all I need to know. And that's all everyone needs to know. Okay, so, <clears throat> so that's, the, that's the message today. Now, now I'm going to show you guys a video about, it's a testimony of, of someone who is uh, not, not afraid to be called a child of God. And um, it's about, we're going to spend about 50 minutes watching this video. And so um, what I might do is have... Um, But can you guys all see this screen right here?
Alright, so there's going to be two parts to this video, okay? The first part is an introduction to who this person is, and then... I just love life. I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> The irrepressible Nicholas Wojcic. The birth of a son with no arms or legs was a challenge they didn't want. I really couldn't, I just thought it was a bad dream. I thought I'd just wake up any minute and it's all, all over. But, so I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to take him home. And I just didn't think I'd, I would, I'd be up to looking after him. Certainly with time, you grow to accept him, uh, to love him for what he is, the way he is. Providing Nicholas with everything he needs is a constant struggle. A battle to find or design suitable equipment, a battle to find the money to pay for it all. There wasn't really much of places or people that you can turn to to help you. So everything that we did was within this trial and error. Um, we just had to take things one day at a time and just work, work through things, just me and him. Even the doctors couldn't help me much in that regard. I am saving up my pocket money for a computer at home. He can't move as fast as he'd like, but Nicholas Wojcik is a whiz at computer games. This I realised only too well when the seven-year-old Dynamo thrashed me in the first round. latest achievement, this performance after only two lessons. Tackling disability comes natural for Nicholas. Disability is a word he doesn't seem to understand. technology and sheer willpower, Nicholas is successfully driving his way through his six-year-old world. But there are some things that still defeat him. Like in the toy box, in the toy box in my room, I want to get something and I can't get it because I don't have any arms or legs. And he regards himself as normal, just with a few bits of pieces missing. You kind of one that tried to imagine what kind of future is he going to have and you know, what kind of life this person is going to lead. I think he's going to have quite a um, good life. And he loves life and he rises to the challenge. He, he works out his own ways of doing things and surprises me constantly. He's a really good kid. He's really great. I wouldn't change him.
Shabri Long is Nick's fellow school captain. Together they say they can make a difference. I think we'll be great, great school captains and uh, I think we'll make a better place. But when he's not in the classroom, Nick's out here playing sport. And now a school captain, he's determined to make sports days wheelchair friendly. We can have uh, disabled wheelchair races, and you know, so they get involved too. And I was really left out last year. But not in the playground. As strange as it may sound, Nick's the resident handball champion. times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. Cause in her mind the 
I've always wanted to ride a horse on my own. So happy. That was so much fun. It was awesome. Love you, man. Good. Thanks a lot, bro. talk about some times in my life where I felt like God had forgotten me and how God has brought me to who I am today. Because many people look at me and say, Nick, how come you're smiling? How come you're so happy? And I want to be like you. And I don't mean like, you know, I want to be like you in a prideful way, but they see the strength in me. You look at me and you want the confidence that I have. You want the smile that I have. Many people ask where it's from, and tonight I'm going to tell you where Nick's smile is from. And um, I'm not going to hold back, so buckle up, it's going to be some fun. I uh, want to start at the beginning of school, you know, a lot of people tease me and put me down. and You know, it's so hard to believe in yourself when people come up to you and keep on telling you negative things. You're no good, you're not good enough, you're a failure. When you fail a test, you feel so down. And people around you, including your parents... It sounds like they focus more on the things that you can't do than the things that you can do. They sort of forget of all the things that you're good at, but they make sure that they're there to tell you when you failed and said you should have done better and you should have done this. And not just parents, but friends as well. We want to please people around us. We want to have those friends. And I tell you, I couldn't please my friends with how I look. I I couldn't change the fact that I had no arms and no legs and I was so afraid 
that I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. Not that I never had friends, but there were times where I felt like giving up. By the way, if you've got a mobile phone, a cell phone on, please switch it off right now, please. We don't want to be interrupted throughout the night. Thank you very much for that respect. But I want to tell you something. It's hard to believe in yourself when people come up to you and, and bring those negative things. And people at school, they tease each other for how they look. They go, hey, you're fat, 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 you're fat. You're fat, you're fat. And they go home, look at themselves in the mirror and go, I'm fat. Right? And we concentrate on the things that we don't have. And we hate the way that we look. You know, life is a journey. And I want to ask you throughout your journey, do you know the questions to these answers? Two questions, very simple. Who are you? And who do you want to become? Do you know who you are? Because your parents want you to be this person, and your friends want you to be that person, and you're caught in the middle and you don't know what to do. In fact, it feels like you've lost your identity. You put this mask on for this person, put this mask on for that person. And I tell you, it's so scary when you go home and you're alone in bed in these thoughts of fear and stress. They keep you awake at night and nobody knows about it. People come up to you and say, how you doing? Fine. How you doing today? Fine. Everybody's fine. But nobody's fine. See, life is a journey, and you see, God has called us to be a certain person, and we know who that person is in the Bible, and so let's say that I need to go to the Bible. Now, for me to touch the Bible, the Bible's not going to come to me. I'm not going to go, here, boy, come on. The Bible ain't going to come to me. I'm going to go to it. How do I get to it? I walk there. It's not like I start meditating and going, hum, and start floating, Right? Obviously not. But you're going to see me take one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Are these big steps? No. But along the way, you might fall down like this. Now, to illustrate my point, I'm going to jump off the table, do a back twist, and land on the floor. Okay, so, are you ready? You're not? Just let me know when you're ready. All right. You ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two... I'm joking, man. Are you serious? If I do that, I'll break my arm or something. All right. But along the way, you might fall down like this. Ready? <laughs> so what do you do when you fall down? You get back up. Everybody knows to get back up because if I start walking... It's like, hello. <laughs> there are some times in life where you fall down. And you feel like you don't have the strength to get back up. You feel like maybe this world would be a better place without you here. I mean, it's so hard anyway. No one understands your pain. You don't tell anybody what you're going through because first of all, 
they wouldn't understand. And second of all, how can they help you anyway? And you get deeper and deeper into this pit of depression and loneliness and no one has a clue. You feel like you have no choice. No more options but to give up. You've tried it all. Let me ask you something. If I try 100 times to get back up and I fail 100 times, if I then give up, do you think I will ever get up? No. For as long as I keep on trying, I know that one day I will get back up. There were some times where I felt like God had forgotten me. I said, God, what kind of life am I going to have? I'm not going to even get married. I thought, even if I ever did get married, I can't even hold my wife's hand. I can't dance with my bride on our wedding night. I won't be able to hug my children when they're crying. Tell me, what kind of a father is that? I had questions, no answers. Two things that we want to hear as human beings is first of all, that you are loved. And second of all, everything is going to be okay. And I want you to know tonight that God says to you, hold on. Don't give up. Get up. I'm with you and I'm going to give you the strength to get back up. It's not the end. I am here with you. I understand. I'm going to be holding your hand. God will give you strength to get back up like this. Is that cool? I want to go back to these two questions. Who are you? Who are you? Do you know that I tried to change myself for my friends? You know, you go to school and everybody swears. It's cool to swear. And if you don't swear, then you ain't cool. And so I started swearing. Because everybody else around me swore. You know, people go to parties and they start drinking because everybody else around me is drinking. Isn't it that, you know, it's not that bad. Nick, you know, having this sort of thing, it's okay. I'm a teenager. You only live once. You know, these little sayings like, you know, what you don't know won't kill you. That is so stupid. If I don't know that I've got a tumor in my brain, is that thing still going to kill me? Yeah! I mean, just little one-liners that the world has come up with that are so dumb. And we live in this world where we're looking for something. We're looking for something. Our soul is not satisfied. It's unsettled. We're looking for happiness. We all want to be happy. I want to be happy. You want to be 
happy. And you listen to the radio and you hear about the money, you hear about the car and the girls and the house and the bling bling and the shoes and the music. And you hear about these things that if only I had, then I'd be happy. And you look at these magazines and you wish if only I had that, then I'd be happy if only I looked like that, if only I didn't look like this. I want you to know tonight that this next sentence will change your life forever if you can grasp it. If you put your happiness in temporary things, your happiness will be temporary. But it's so hard. You know, you get excited about a present. You know what? Let's this do an easier example. You know, like you go to the shopping mall, you see a five-year-old kid. And the mom's like, what? The kid's like, I want a candy. And the mom's like, no. Like, and going on and on and on and pulling on the dress and holding on to her feet. I want to shut that. I want to shut that. Finally, the mom says, fine. She gets this kid the chocolate and the kid's like, oh, I can't breathe. This is so happy. And this guy opens his chocolate and he puts it in his mouth. He's like, oh. And it lasts for three seconds. And then, Mother! You're never satisfied. You wait for the shoes. You wait until, if only I can drive and then I'll be happy. If only I had this job, then I'll be happy. If only I had these grades, then I'll be happy. If only I was good at sport, then I'd be happy. I want you to know you can find happiness right now in Jesus. Because anything in this world, the pleasures of this world, have all the money you want. Have it all. We'll talk about different pleasures in a second, but I just want to ask you, are you going to be real? Are you going to see that, sure, you can go to the party and you see your friends drinking and they reckon they're happy, but you look them in the eye and they're not happy. So many people go to alcohol to sort of escape from reality or just have a good time. And in the morning, they're just going to wake up with a headache and have the same problems. There was a 14-year-old girl who couldn't really stand up. She drank so much. And I looked at her and I said, tell me one thing. Why do you do this? She, she said, because you hurt. Because every weekend I try drink. It's my way of dealing with my pain and I can't do anything else. She said, I can't change my dad. We go to different things to deal with our pain. But I want you to know that that will never fix it. That will never fix that sadness, that pain. Because it's all temporary. You think you need to change who you are? Listen to me right now. Every single girl right here, right now. I want you to know that you are beautiful. You are gorgeous. Just the way you are. 
and you boys. You're the man. But you're awesome just the way you are. Why? Because I know that it's not how you look, it's who you are. When you get a gift and it's wrapped up, what do you do with the wrapped up gift? You unwrap it. You open it. Why? Because the value is inside. If you saw me for the first time, no, you know what? Go back to when you saw me for the first time. Maybe it was on the TV. Maybe it was right here. And you're thinking, man, I feel so sorry for this guy. I wonder how his life is. You wouldn't know how to sort of approach me. You would never think of just coming up and giving me a hug, possibly. But now do you want to give me a hug? Yes. Now do you want to be my friend? Yes. Why? Because I'm cool. <laughs> and I'm funny. And I love life. But the thing is this. It's not how I look that's made me cool. Nothing to do with how I look. It's my outlook. Oh, that's good. It's my outlook. It's who I am, not who I, or how I look. This is just a package, man. Good things come in small packages, I reckon. But this is the thing. It's not how you look. It's your outlook. It's who you are. You want to know who I am? When people told me, Nick, you're not good enough. I tell you, man, I've got so many people teasing me. When I was six years old, I went to school. And in one day, 12 people teased me. I counted them all on my fingers. <laughs> Nick, you're not good enough. No one likes you. You'll never be able to do this. Nick, you'll never have a good life. Nick, the friends that you think you have, they're just being nice to you. Nick, no one wants you. Nick, go away. Nick, no one cares. We don't like you. You're not good enough. And I was on the edge. All I needed was one more person to come up to me and tease me that day. And I'll be gone. I said to God, I said, God, if only one more person comes to tease me, that's it. I give up. And at five to three in the afternoon, I was driving my wheelchair to my car, to my parents' car. And this one girl across the playground says, Hey, Nick! And I'm like, great, here it is. She came up to me and she said, Hey, Nick, I just want you to know that you're looking good today. And I'm like, aww. <laughs> and all of a sudden... Because that one person believed in me. I didn't care what the other 12 people thought. Because I want you to know that some people are wrong. Some people are wrong. Sometimes you're wrong, but there are many people who are wrong about you. And they judge you and they're wrong. When the world says you're not good enough, ask someone else. You know, you go to a doctor and if the doctor says you got cancer, what are you going to do? It's my responsibility to get a second opinion. Well, when the world says you're not good enough, get a second opinion. You might be worried about what the world says about you, but I'm not. 
I'm worried about what the Word of God says about me. I'm worried about what the King of Kings thinks of me. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I don't care what they think of me because they're wrong. You want to know who I am? I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I am a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I am highly and favored, sorry, highly favored and blessed under Him. I have power to do all things through Christ, endure all things through Christ. And when God has put something on my heart to do, I can do it. When God has given you a dream to do something, He will open up that door and make it possible. Because when we in life picture that word impossible, what's the first two letters of impossible? I am. When you take you out of the equation, when you realize that, hey, you know what? I can't do this on my own. But with God, all things are possible. You see, it should have been impossible for me without arms and legs to get back up when I was falling down. I mean, you go home, tie the hands and feet of your, of your brothers and sisters, push them over and see if they're going to get up in a hurry. Tell them you'll see them tomorrow. You know what I mean? It should have been impossible, but not in my strength, in God's strength, it was possible for me to get back up. I want you to know that you, girls, you are a princess. Your daddy is a king. That's who you are. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what you're good at. It doesn't matter what you're not good at. It doesn't matter what you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. I don't care. I don't care how you look. I don't care if you're 900 pounds. I'm going to come up to you even if you're that fat that you have to roll around to get around. <coughs> you like that one? <coughs> Excuse me. I don't care if you're that fat that you have to roll around to get around. I'm going to come up to you and say that I love you and give you a hug. Why? Because that's how Jesus loves. And that's how I love people. Who are you and who do you want to become? So many people don't know, God, why do you have me here? What's my purpose? So many teenagers come, Nick, Nick I don't know what to do in my life. My parents want me to do this and I think, I, I think God wants me to do this, but I just don't know what to do. And I want you to know at times it gets scary when you need to make some decisions in your life and career choices and all the rest of it. It gets scary. It does. I know. I've been there. But I want you to not forget the purpose that He has now. Do you know that Jesus can use you now where you are at your school? Do you know how many lies your friends are believing in your school? And you look at them and you know they're lost. You're sick of the fakeness. They're sick of the fakeness, but they have no answers. What else is there? And I want you to know tonight that God has put you there for a reason. 
I want you to know tonight. What is your purpose? What would have to happen in your life for you to look back and say that my life was worth living? I want to say this to you. Think about this. What would have to happen in your life for you to look back and say it was worth it? Let me ask you this. Would it be an an amazing encouragement for you if someone 10 years older came here right now in this auditorium who went through the exact same thing as you are going through now? The feeling that you have of wanting to give up. The feeling that you're not good enough and all these sort of things and wanting to give up. If someone 10 years older came to you and said, you know what, I know how it feels. I've been there. But God's pulled me through. Would that not encourage you? Yes. Would that not save you? Yes. If you could be that person for somebody else, Because I can guarantee you right now, there are parents here who've been through the exact same thing that you've been through. You just don't know about it. There is a 16-year-old girl here with an eating disorder. There is a 16-year-old here who's hiding the pain that she's inflicting on herself. There is a 16-year-old boy who hates how he looks and he can't change it. If you could save somebody else. What's the value of that one soul? What's the value of that friend? I want you to know that you could honestly save a life. And that's why we have been put here by God. That is your purpose. That you love and be loved. That's why God has put you here. To arise and shine. He wants you to go to your schools and share the love of Jesus Christ. There should be not one person in your school without a friend. Because you should have been their friend. And why don't we go and talk to the nerds? And why don't we go and talk to the people who have no friends? Because we're worried about what people think of us. And because we want to be cool, we tease people. And we talk about people behind their backs. Can you imagine how many people at your school are on the edge and all they need is you and your laugh and your joke to push them over? Can you imagine this? People in their school who hate their life and one of the reasons why is you. That is sobering. When will we arise and shine as the next generation and say what is right and what is not? When will we stand for Jesus Christ? When will you have that confidence to say no? You have boyfriends and girlfriends and you know and you're crossing the line. Well, we're both Christians. That's even worse. Don't you see? There are things in this book called the Bible that are black and white. And God will help you. 
but I don't, I don't want to lose him. Why do you do this with him? Because I love him. And that fear of being alone brings us to crossing boundaries. It's not okay to have sex before you're married. It's not okay. Here it is. I'm 24. Do you think I've had a couple offers? Yes. I am a virgin by the grace of God and I'm saving my virginity for my wife because I know that that beyond words is proof to her that I'm a man of integrity, that I'm a man of discipline, that I put God first over my desires, and that she was worth the wait. That's the man of a godly man. That's the man my woman wants. And if I want a godly woman, who am I to want a godly woman yet not be a godly man? I mean, that is stupid. You're going to get what you are. 100%. Don't compromise. It's time. Say it. It's time. Say it again. It's time that you stop believing the lies that you're not good enough. It's time that you stop believing the lies. That it's okay to do it just because everyone else around me does it. It's time to stand with the confidence and boldness of Jesus Christ. It's time to step out of your comfortable box and go say hi to somebody that has no friends. It's time that you get real. Do you know that God is hanging to get real with you? I'm not old enough. I can't do this because. I can't do this because. Me, 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 me. We all have it though, that's a thing. I want you to know that I love you. God has a plan for you. Can we have um, some guitar in the background, please? You know, I was worried about how, you know, how am I going to hold my wife's hand or am I going to get married? All that sort of thing. Am I married? No. Is it okay? Yes. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. But God knows exactly what He's doing. What's the greatest joy that I have? Well, check this out. Hearing from God these words. 
Nick, I love you. And everything's going to be okay. Those words change my life. And they can change yours if you just listen. You don't have to do this alone. He's got all of your desires in his hands. He knows what you cry about. Many people told me that, Nick, you may not have hands to hold your wife's hand. But you do not need hands to hold her heart. And that's all I want to hold. How am I going to hug my children when they're crying? Simple. I was at a family gathering and there was this two-year-old little girl who was saying goodbye to everybody and hugging them all goodbye. And she came to me and she stopped. And she looked at me and she, she just froze. She wants to give Nikki a hug, but Nikki doesn't have any hands to hug. So she thought about it and she realized, okay, I'm still going to hug him. She puts her hands behind her back. And she walked up to me and hugged me with her neck. I know, I know. <laughs> Isn't that not beautiful? Yes. I speak at hundreds of schools. And every time I speak in front of a group of teenagers, I want to give you a time to respond to God. Because this, tonight, coming out of my mouth, was encouragement from Him to trust in Him, to know that all He wants to do is say that He loves you and everything is going to be okay. Faith is not a feeling. It's when you believe without seeing. Will you decide to get real. There is more to your life than meets the eye. Do you want to know what it is? Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. In a moment, I'm going to say this, that if you want to get real with God, maybe for the first time, say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be real with you. I want to know what you have for my life because I'm tired of my life. I'm sick of the guilt that I have of all the things that I've done wrong and the fear that paralyzes my body. Or maybe you want to say, Jesus, I know that you love me, but you sort of let go of him. Hold on to God, and He will hold on to you. If you want to get that grip back onto God, through prayer, you can do that. Lord, we thank You for Your presence. You see every tear. You know all the pain that we have. 
We come before you today and we thank you. That you will never leave us. That you will never forsake us. You will not forget us. You will not forget our family. You will not forget our friends. I want you to picture the people who've hurt you. With your eyes still closed, picture the people who've hurt you. Or your family. With your mouth, say, Lord, help me to forgive them. Say it. Lord, help me to forgive them. I give you my pain. Heal me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that tonight would be a life-changing night for each person here. Father, that you would speak confidence and healing and boldness into each person here, Lord God. We thank you that you are rising us up as the next generation, Lord Jesus, with strength that will not believe the lies, but would fly to the heights that you want us to go to. I want you to repeat a prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus. I come to you today. And I thank you for loving me so much that you died on the cross for my sins. I am so sorry for all the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Change my heart. Renew my mind. That I may be the person you want me to be. When I fail and when I fall, pick me up and give me strength to stand. To get up and not give up. I give you my friends. I give you my family. Help me to know that you won't forget them and you'll never forget me. I want to know the plans you have for me. When I get confused, when I get impatient, when I don't understand help me to know that you're holding my hand I love you Jesus and I want to know more of you tonight heal me touch me and give me strength in Jesus name I pray Amen.
right, so I hope you guys enjoyed that video. This is just one example of a child of God. And, and my purpose in showing you this video is, is not, not only because it's just a cool testimony, but to remind us that we're all a child of God. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what our friends think about us. It doesn't matter how we try, I mean, we try so hard to identify ourselves, but the most important thing is that we are a child of God, and that's, that's how we should live our life. And this is just one testimony of, of one brother of ours who is a child of God and how he lives for the Lord. And that's no different than each one of us in this room. And so, so I hope that you'll, as, as we leave this morning and then as we leave this conference, when you go back to whichever city you're from, that you'll remember that you're a child of God. And, and that's something that can't be shaken. That's something that is our identity for the rest of our life. And that's such a wonderful identity to have, knowing that God loves us knowing that God has sent His only Son to die for us, knowing that we're accepted by Him, knowing that He's not ashamed of us. You know, that's, it's pretty awesome to be a child of God. And so, <clears throat> so I hope that as we go from here and we think about who we are, that you'll remember, you'll always remember that we're a child of God and that God loves us so much. So uh, why don't we just close with a word of prayer? And we'll just bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for reminding each one of us that you love us. We thank you that uh, <coughs> that you called us to be your children. And Lord, you've given us the privilege to be your children. And Lord, uh, that really indeed is, is such an honor and such a privilege. Lord, I thank you that you accept us just as we are. And that when we come before you, we never have to pretend to put on a holy face. We never have to pretend to try to make us, ourselves better. But Lord, in the middle of our sins and our, in our failures, we can come before you and know that we are accepted by you and that you're not ashamed of us and you'll never be ashamed of us. Lord, remind us that you love us. Remind us that we are a child of yours. Lord, we thank you for this morning and we continue to pray for the rest of the conference. <coughs> and I pray for my young brothers and sisters here in this room that you would make yourself real to them. Make yourself known to them. Allah, help us and allow us to see that you, you're not just a God that's far up in the heavens, but that you are a real, a very personal God. And you've called and you've chosen each one of us by name to be your child. Lord, we thank you, and we give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> so we've ended a little bit earlier today. Um,